When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you with knowledge so you are empowered to make better financial decisions in your life. One decision I hope you've made is to subscribe to this podcast and our free newsletters at clark.com slash newsletters. Today, I had a question for you. Do you use auto pay for credit cards? It can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. I'm going to tell you how to know the difference. Also, there's so much talk about AI taking jobs, and at the same time, the job market is still crazy strong in the United States, even with the Federal Reserve trying to create unemployment. The job market staying strong. So what are the areas where jobs are really, really going well in spite of or because of AI. We're going to talk about that. But right now, I want to talk about credit cards and the questions I've had from people over time about whether it's a good idea or bad idea to set up auto pay on your credit cards. So it all depends on how your bank behaves. Here's why. The advantage of auto pay is, as I've shared with you in the past, the number one factor on your credit score, number one, is that you pay every bill you get every month on time. And things will happen, particularly summertime. And at Christmas, patterns are broken and people just overlook a bill and they don't pay it. And then that just demolishes your credit reputation, credit standing. And so if you call a credit card company, you say, oh, I had the money I just forgot. They'll say, well, nothing we can do about it. But if you'd set up auto pay, you're not going to have to worry about that. So auto pay is a way to make sure you're in the clear is potentially great, particularly for the segment of people who pay their bills in full every month, but who could eat up their credit standing by overlooking a bill. Doing auto pay is fine. Or you could be like my wife who pays all our bills now. And she's, as she says, she's analog. And she has this big binder for every credit card. She's got this thing. Well, you know, that one's due this day and blah, blah, blah. And she writes down that it's been paid. And so there's never a doubt that something was paid when it was supposed to be. 
by doing it that way. And that's where she's comfortable with paper. And then she goes online and pays it. But she could just as easily, because we do pay our credit cards in full every month, set up auto pay and have them automatically pay in full. A lot of companies do that who have company cards where they make sure that the the credit cards are paid every month. But where people are getting burned, new report from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, is credit card companies with people that don't pay their balances in full are making the payments required ultra small that auto pay. And people are paying much more interest and running balances much longer and bigger balances by setting up auto pay with a number of credit cards. I saw another story in the Wall Street Journal about how this is a big profit center for the banks because of the money they're making with these small minimum payments that they're taking out by auto pay. Now, with many of the auto pay systems, you can set it up where you're, if you can't pay your balance in full, but you can set it up where you're paying more than what that minimum is, that you're being manipulated by the bank so they can score more of this massive interest they're charging on credit cards. So auto pay is not necessarily one thing or another. It's not necessarily a no-brainer, great thing to do with your credit card bills. At the same time, it can be really a good thing to do. It all depends on how you use it. And again, the ethics of the bank that you're doing the auto pay on a credit card with. And with other things, let me name some other things. So many of us live in apartments, a third of us. Setting up your apartment rent to pay auto with them is a great idea. Because if you forget to pay the rent on time, or you're traveling or whatever, the late fees are so gigantic on an apartment doing that. If you live in a condominium, setting up where you pay the condo fees automatic because the late fees on a condo association dues so extremely high. So auto pay works fine there. So using auto pay as a tool can be effective and more and more it's how people are doing things as they get billed electronically and they pay by auto pay. But one thing you better not forget, check the bills, check the statement. Because when it's on auto, you may not be checking them and you may be paying for something you shouldn't be paying for. Krista? Okay, going to questions. This is from Jason in Washington. I'm aware of the new government regulation, the reporting of money paid through Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, etc. I do not use PayPal a lot for paying or receiving money from others, but I have money now on hold with PayPal from the sale of an old iPhone. The last I heard you say on your show was that the rollout was TBD. I'm very concerned about giving my social security number to PayPal. They're asking for a tax ID, but this is not a business transaction, so it has to be my social. I wouldn't freak out about giving PayPal your social security number. I would think of PayPal being the equivalent of like a bank or a credit union, and you have to give it to them. The law that Congress passed requiring 
this reporting by the various payment services at $600 or more as a threshold was really dumb. I don't know what they were thinking. And Congress needs to repeal that and put in a much higher threshold. The whole idea is to capture taxes from people who are running a side business who are not paying taxes as they as they are required to on the net profits of the business. And that's why the whole reporting thing. Obviously, it's ridiculous to have set the level at $600. Maybe it's $5,000, $10,000, something like that, where then the only people you would have getting the tax notices would be people who actually are running some kind of side business. You're fine selling your iPhone, even if it's reported, there's going to be no tax due because you're selling it for less than you paid for it. Therefore, there's no profit, nothing to worry about. It's just extra hassle that was lame when Congress came up with this requirement. Stephen in Missouri says, I'm a firefighter and I'm nearing retirement. I will be retiring my fo- in my 40s with a healthy pension. And Wow, I'm- in your 40s? Yeah. And I'm strongly considering purchasing a particular franchise that I've been fond of for years to be my second career. What kind of advice can you give people on potentially buying a franchise? I've been saving in my 457B retirement account. I would like to withdraw a large portion of those funds to purchase the franchise because I do not want to go into debt. Good idea. And P.S., this is the ongoing back and forth between the firefighters oh, and police no, officers. Oh, no, not this again. What do police officers and firefighters have in common? They all wanted to be firefighters when they were kids. <laughs> so just so you know, we've had this this competition going on because I went on and on about how brave firefighters are. And then it caused this trigger from police officers saying, wait, why are you talking about them and not talking about us? And so it's sometimes playful, sometimes not. Mm-hmm. In this case, playful. All right. So, Stephen. You obviously have an enormous work ethic because you are in a position when you retire to have sufficient resources to live the rest of your life, probably without working with that firefighter pension and the money you've saved. But you want to get right back into it and get working again. Do not buy a franchise anytime soon. First, take a little bit of time for yourself. Enjoy yourself. You have worked hard. You have gone into burning buildings voluntarily. Take some time and just enjoy life. I don't know if that's three months, six months, a year, whatever. Just take that time for yourself. You earned it. Second, don't want you buying a franchise with your 457B money. Third, when you decide that you're ready to consider buying a franchise, Know my rule. You don't go in to buy that franchise. You go work in a franchise location as an employee doing anything. Say, you know, I'm a retired firefighter. I want to do something else. And you go work there. Whatever it is you'd be doing at that franchise. Don't mention even the hint that you're thinking you might want to own one. Go work in one for, I like it to be six months to see if it really suits you. If way before six months you're like, what was I thinking? And head for the exit, that's fine. But before you would then decide you want to buy one, you'll learn so much, you'll know the questions to ask, you'll know the ups and the downs 
of that franchise, completely different than the whole sales pitch. The next thing is you don't take the money that you've so diligently saved in that 457B and use it to buy a franchise. You actually do, if you need to, borrow the money to start that business. If later, uh, let's say the business does not work out and you have debts from it, then that would be the point at which you might take money from the 457 and pay it off. But definitely not up front. And take your time. Sadie in North Carolina says, I just moved cross country from Colorado using a rented U-Haul box truck. Luckily, we had no mechanical issues and everything went smoothly with the drive. We camped out next to our truck at pull-through campsites along the way, which I would recommend because it set our minds at ease about someone breaking into our truck overnight. But an issue emerged when we returned the truck. The attendant at the drop-off center told us to just leave the keys with him and he would send us the final receipt online. Exhausted from days of driving and moving, we did so, assuming that meant we wouldn't receive any further charges. So imagine my dismay when our receipt said we returned the truck on empty, which is not accurate, and received a $70 fuel charge. Other listeners, don't make our mistake. Insist on checking out with the attendant in person or at least take a picture of the fuel gauge. I'm kicking myself for not taking that small step now. U-Haul customer service has submitted a refund request on my behalf, so we'll see if they come through. Fingers crossed. Sadie, I'm glad that everything with your move went well other than this. And the problem with the retroactive bill for gas, something that comes up continually. We hear that repeatedly, not just with one-way rental trucks. We hear it with rental cars all the time. You name it. Um, What I do, I always get the gas receipt at the gas station. Inevitably, when you fill up near an airport, they're out of paper in the pump. I then have to go inside and get the paper receipt. You should be able to look online if you paid with a credit card or even a debit card and find the charge or the purchase, if it's a debit card, and be able to provide proof to the one-way rental truck company that you did in fact, purchase that fuel. I always take a picture of the fuel gauge when I return a vehicle. Recently, I was going through deleting photos on my phone. I had so many pictures (laughs) of fuel gauges, one after another after another, that I was enough time out that I could delete. It was funny that I had so many of them. So your advice to others, so valuable. And yes, I shoot that video of the outside of a vehicle, car, truck, whatever, when I return it so that there's no doubt the condition I returned it in. I also want to say, Sandy, don't be hard on yourself. I mean, moving is brutal enough. Like I've moved in the same city with using movers from one house to another and been completely wiped out after. I can't imagine driving a U-Haul across the country, camping out next to it, Moving all my stuff in and then returning it and not being like, I mean, I would throw the keys. <laughs> the Sadie's a lot tougher than you and I me. I mean, she's amazing. All right, so. but Sadie, you got to know something about Krista. When Krista went through a phase, you moved from house to house to yeah. house to house to house. Krista, when she'd move within, I don't think she slept for like 36 hours. <laughs> the entire house, everything would be put away. No unpacked boxes anywhere 
yeah. all in a day and a half. I don't know how you ever I just, did that. I can't stand box. I can't stand it. I have to do it. It's like, I can't feel settled until everything's put away. It's very impressive that you can do that. Well, thanks. Some might call it anxiety, <laughs> but look at it however you want. Well, see, when you can turn a disorder into a benefit, that's always great, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Not saying you have anxiety. It's okay. No, I do. And that's okay. fine. It's All right. managed well. That's good. All right. Coming up ahead, I promised earlier, you know, all this talk about how AI is going to destroy the job market and all that, all that changes is the nature of jobs. Now, that's no comfort to you if the job you have is one that AI takes away. But I want to tell you, there's a lot of really great, fast-growing jobs, and there are guesstimates about what those hot jobs are going to be over the next 10 years till pretty much the middle of next decade. And I'm going to go over the this list with you because I want you to think wider. I don't want you to look at change as always being a negative. Change often brings about great things for us, society, and the world. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You know, it's pretty much an article of faith that the jobs that exist today, you look 20 years out, 70% of those jobs will not exist. Something that frightens so many people that there are people who like, well, this is what I do, this is what I'm going to do, and that settles it. But that's not life. Life changes constantly in so many different ways. And the job market, certainly that. So I saw a list in a Business Insider column of what are the job categories that are going to have the greatest growth over the next decade, and what are people making in these jobs? Number one, number one growth job in the United States overall being a software developer, something I could not do, but I know several people who have kids that doing software development is something they're attracted to and something that they want to study and do. Typically, it does require a bachelor's degree, 
to get a good job as a software developer. And the typical wage is around 130000 a year. That's typical. Second category that's big growth moving forward, being what's called a financial manager. There's so many people needed in this profession, and the average age of people who work as financial managers has gotten really, really, really old. And it's a real opportunity for people that are younger because it's a fast-growing area as we are required to make decisions that people in prior generations did not have to make about money. Median or average typical wage, 140 grand a year. Typical education, a bachelor's. And I find this interesting. You're going to hear this pattern as I go through, as I've looked through this list. People are really down on college overall, but the jobs that are out there that are fast growing and pay well, so many of them require college. And so many are in the healthcare field. The third one in healthcare is health services managers. Big gain in employment over the next decade. Average wage about 105000 a year. Bachelor's degree again. Next, operations managers for companies. Big gains in employment. Average wage just under hundred grand. Bachelor's degree again. Fifth fastest growing field, medical again. Nurse practitioner. Average wage, about 125000 That requires a master's degree. Registered nurses comes in sixth for growth. Bachelor's degree required in most cases to be an RN. Typical average wage, around 85000 And I could go on and on, but the point is, I've got healthcare, then computer again, data scientists, Again, related to computing, average wage over 100 grand, bachelor's degree, over and over again, bachelor's degree. Information security analysts, they make more, about 115,000 a year, big gains coming. So the general trend is that anything involved directly or tangentially to data processing, computers, programming, Big job growth moving forward, really good pay, and healthcare with an aging society, big area of growth, good wages in healthcare generally, not every job in healthcare. And one field that is desperate for workers, and I'm going to stop at 13, because a lot of people consider it to be the unlucky 13. People do not want to go into accounting. Accountants are desperately needed in the marketplace. If accounting is something you are interested in, generally requires a bachelor's, accountants are very, very, very much needed and short-staffed. It's a great career field for the right individual and the demand and need for you is huge. Krista? Okay. Ed in Ohio says, I need advice on health insurance for my college student who's aging off the family plan in early 2024. We live in Ohio and she is now in graduate school in upstate New York. 
I'm a 21-year U.S. Air Force retiree. Thank Thank you you so much for your service to our great nation. So she has had TRICARE, which ages off when she turns 23 in February of 2024. So isn't it just rich that Congress required that private employers keep dependents on health care plans till 26, but the government didn't require that of itself, tossing dependents off at 23. Really? Anyway, the good news, Ed, is that for your child who's turning 23 in just a few months, she is going to be able to buy at extremely low cost, if not free of monthly premiums, an individual health care plan at healthcare.gov. Congress passed during COVID statute that continues, I think, through 25 that allows people to buy individual health plans that based on their income and as a student, the income would be obviously very low, that she will be able to buy a plan maybe at no monthly premium or extremely tiny monthly premium on healthcare.gov. She doesn't need to look yet. The premiums aren't established for next year. She'll want to look in January with the change in status coming in February that she gets tossed off your plan. And the good thing about it is when you have a a change of status situation like your daughter, it can be at any time of the year that you enroll in healthcare.gov. It doesn't have to be for January to December of a year. Sean in North Carolina wrote in with this. I just started my first job after my PhD and my company has a vesting period for retirement with an employee stock ownership plan. They contribute 15% after three years, 9% is in company stock and 6% in a 401k. Additionally, they match an extra 1% to make it 16%. Uh, Additionally, I have a Roth IRA that I'll be maxing from here on, $21,000 in student loans, a high-yield savings account, and an HSA. I heard you advise people to prioritize meeting the company match for the 401k, but my company does most of the contributing after three years and only matches 1%. This behooves me to focus more on my student loans after maxing out the Roth and, and the HSA to pay it off sooner. I was wondering if you had any advice on what to prioritize with a company vesting period like this. So I'd say you have your priorities in the right order. You absolutely want to fund your HSA in full. And congratulations on getting your PhD and doing the Roth, putting the max in it. And I don't know what kind of income you're going to be earning if you're going to earn enough with your level of education that you might be ineligible to do a Roth at some point because if an employer offers a 401k and you're eligible for it and you go beyond the threshold of income eligibility for a Roth, even though you don't want to contribute to the 401k, you would still be ineligible for the Roth. That's not an issue. Do the Roth. Pay on the student loans. And as you can afford to, I think it's a good idea, even without the employer match, to contribute to the employer 401k when you can afford it. If it's through a good company, right? If it's through a good company. And by good company, what that means is that it's a low-cost 401k plan provider. If it's 
high cost provider, anything that's a bank based plan, an insurance company administered 401k, they're going to be uh, very, very high cost, high fee, avoid it until there is, in fact, an employer match. I'm jumping ahead because down the road, you're going to get this enormous amount of company stock given to you. It's going to be very important. That's wonderful you're getting it. It's going to be very important that you are diversified away and have money in things like the Target Retirement Fund and a Roth IRA if you end up participating in the 401k and the Target Retirement Fund kind of choice so that you're well diversified and not so heavily with your future based on what happens with the company stock. This is from Jason in Florida. A few years ago, my daughters decided to try acting as a hobby. Many classes, parent sessions, headshots, and trial and error auditions later, they're now being paid for commercial work, and they have a small part in a film. They have Roth IRAs, thanks to you, but have also been required to open a blocked trust slash Coogan account, where 10% of their earnings are protected from parents until they turn 18. They're 12, 10, and 7 now. The only place I found offering these accounts is a bank earning Ugh. almost no interest. A relatively safe investment is fine, but I'd much rather invest in some kind of brokerage account with access to an index fund or mutual fund. Can you help find a better place than our bank offering a blocked trust? Yeah. And first of all, why you're with one of the four giant monster mega banks, that's a conversation for another day. Get away from them. Just as they'll rip off your kids, they rip you off every day doing your banking with one of the four giant monster mega banks. Having said that, for these Coogan accounts, the whole idea of this was where parents would take advantage of a child actor and the child would work really hard acting as a minor instead of acting up as a minor. And all the money would be gone when they reached adulthood because the parents blew it. The idea of these required trusts is that at least a portion of the money a kid earns is sheltered away from where parents could take advantage of it. That's the idea. And so there's a lot of compliance that the financial institutions have to live up to in order to offer these accounts. There are credit unions that do this. You can go to a credit union to do so. There are also financial planners that specialize in serving the acting community and offer compliant plans for this. If the goal is to invest, finding a fiduciary fee-only financial planner who will charge you fees for managing this for your kids, but will invest as you wish in index funds for the kids would be a great choice. Index funds would be a very appropriate choice for this with very young children, to give them time in the market for that money to grow. Having it in one of the giant banks, they're going to have no more money, maybe less, when they reach adulthood than what they put into the plans. And uh, congratulations to them because it's a really hard business to be in and they've made it work. And we found a couple of lists online of credit, some credit unions and other places. Yeah, there are, I mean, if them. you look with uh, Dr. Google or whatever search engine you look and you put in 
looking for like SAG AFTRA has a the actors union has a list of some places but I would also check credit unions you know local credit unions and well usually it's going to be an actor based actor oriented credit union normal credit unions not I going did to see have, a couple that aren't actor based see? I did okay when I looked through some, I'm yeah. surprised I'm surprised yeah. so you always teach me stuff <laughs> so if you have a question that's very specific and you've got a problem, you need advice, you need guidance, you know, we provide that for free 30 hours each week at our Team Clark Consumer Action Center where you can get that free one-on-one advice. Go to clark.com CAC. What we're all about is giving you ways to save more, spend less, and avoid getting ripped off. Have a great rest of your day.